0: presence of the Lord there's nothing like the presence of the Lord hallelujah we serve an awesome God it's a beautiful thing to know that we don't serve a God of yesterday We don't serve a God who just created and then stepped back and went to heaven and left us here by ourselves, but we serve a personal God who lets his presence embrace us, lets his presence envelope our lives, especially in moments that we have need, and even when we just need him, it's not even a need that we have in this natural world, but we live and we serve that God. And so when we sing that song, your presence is heaven, listen, I just want you to know that when you get into the presence of the Lord, that is the closest thing we have on this earth to being in heaven, amen? Amen. Nothing like his presence, amen. Give him a hand of praise, he's worthy. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, and we're going to begin in verse 20, in verse 16 of chapter 28, the book of Matthew chapter 28. As we're turning our Bibles there, we can dismiss our children right now, glory to God, as we're making this transition here. Praise the Lord for all of our kids' dome. Glory to God. The book of Matthew chapter 28, this should be a familiar scripture for all of us. We should have heard this before. Matthew 28 and verse 16, when you got it, say so. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll wait for the children to go out and then we'll start reading. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, 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 you got it, you got it. Matthew 28, verse 16. And the word of the Lord says this, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that a picture of today? Like in this building, there's some of us that worship, but then there's others that doubt. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace, Lord God. We thank you for your presence that has been here with us today. And Spirit of the living God, we just ask you right now that you would speak to our hearts, Lord God. Father, we thank you because we as we as as we recognize in your presence you are not a dead god, but you are a living god. You are not a myth, you are not a story, but you are the real God. You are the one true God. And so we come to you today because we realize that you have created us for relationship. You have enabled us to be able to hear from you. And so we pray that you speak to us, my God. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. I pray that you would speak to every one of our lives and that we would not be idle hearers of your word, but that we would be doers, God. I pray that you would open our ears and that you would unstop deaf ears in this place, my God. Soften hardened hearts in this place, my God. Speak as you desire, Lord God, and may we be all that you've called us to be because of your great sacrifice and our new identity in you. We give you praise and we ask you all of this in Jesus' great name. And someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so the book of Matthew chapter 28, it continues us in our series. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand really quickly. want to make sure that you do have an outline, that you get one, so that way you can take notes. The ushers will come around. Just keep your hand up until you get an outline, and that way they don't miss you. And as I always encourage, the reason why we give these outlines is because we want you to take notes first and foremost, but secondarily, it is because we discuss the sermons in Connect, And it's important for us to write down things. You can write down questions when you're taking notes. You can write down um, answers to the questions that are on the outline. You can make sure that you get that information in there so you can revisit it. And then also, when you come to your Connect, your small group, or your life group, you can get together with your brothers and sisters, and you'll, be have, you'll have something to contribute to the conversation. And so if you're not part of a Connect life group, we encourage you to get connected, see Pastor Chad, and he will help you out and get you plugged into the one that fits your schedule and where you live the best. Amen? And so we're continuing on in our series here, and it's time for a revision. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, what we are doing is we're going over the, th- the things that we communicate every week, which are that we love God, we grow together, we reach others, and we serve. And so we've already dealt with loving God, we've already dealt with growing together in love, and today we're going to deal with... Reaching others. And so we want to talk about that. And so if you look at your outline, as we continue in our series, it's time for revision. It is important that we keep in mind that there is one overarching theme in this message series. And it is to focus upon one thing and grow in four areas. Our deepest desires should be to please the Lord by faith, living our lives in obedience to the written and revealed direction of the Word of God. That right there, to please God by faith, but um, to the revealed and written direction of the Word of God, that comes from our vision carrier, um, booklet, And the reason why that's there is because that is our whole vision statement and what we should be doing. And so in the in the class last Wednesday, when we started to go through the vision carrier, the first class that we go over, we talk about the vision of the church. And the one thing that I communicated to the to the people in the class is that at Faith Thermal Fellowship, we want to see five things in your life. And it's really simple. And when I say they're simple, it doesn't mean that they're easy. It's just pretty clear. And what it is is this, is that number one, we want to see that you are living your life to please God in all things, that in every area of your life, that that is what you're living for, but we want to see you growing in four areas continually, and that is your love for God, you're growing together in love for others, your reaching of other people, and you serving. Those are the things we want to see a Faith a Fellowship, because we believe that that is what a disciple looks like. A disciple loves Jesus. A disciple loves Jesus' people. Amen? A disciple cares about those who are dying without Jesus and going to hell. That's a disciple. God calls us to be his disciples. And if Jesus was the servant of all, then what are we called to do? We are called to serve as well. And so what we realize is this, pleasing the Lord should be the filter that all of our lives are passed through. Our motivation to please the Lord should be the love of God and the finished work of the gospel. Hear this, not the fear of judgment if we mess up or the desire to earn blessing. See, the reason why I want to please God is not because I'm trying to earn some kind of blessing from him. Many people, they want to live perfectly and righteously because they want something from God. It's not because they're appreciative of God. Are you hearing me? And there's other people that they want to walk that fine line because they're afraid that if they mess up, they're going to get struck by lightning. Hello. And we shouldn't be doing it for either reason. The reason why we want to please God, the reason why I want to please God, the reason why you should want to please God is because of God's love toward you, because of God's love for you, because God loved you so much that he gave his son to die in your place. And that should be the overarching motivation in our lives, is that we want to please him because of what he has done for us. I love the prayer that I've heard prayed many times in this church, and it is that, God, you don't have to do anything else for us because you've already done enough. If he never gave you anything again, if I were to get up here, and I won't tell you this, but if I were to get up here and say, listen, you are never going to see another, what you would call a blessing in your life ever again, are you going to still serve Jesus? Are you still going to serve Christ? If I told you that you didn't have to worry, see, I I wouldn't tell you this because there there is a real hell, and I'm just going to say that. The, The truth of the matter is, if I told you that you didn't have to worry about hell if you were living in sin, would you serve Jesus or would you keep sinning? See, the, the question is, what is the real motivation of our hearts and our desire to please God? Because it should be the love of God toward us that he showed us in Jesus Christ. The vision and mission of Faith Dome Fellowship is that we live to please God as his disciples who love him, love his church, seek the lost, and serve his body. That's the vision and mission of Faith Dome Fellowship. That's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we're growing in these areas as disciples. And as I've said many times, whether you are a guest here at Faith Dome Fellowship for the first time, second time, third time, you're just checking things out for a while or whatever the case is, or whether you're a full-on vision carrier, this is what a disciple should look like. I told the vision carrier class as well. I said, I don't have a vision for the church. God has a vision for his church. We simply have to embrace it. God has a vision for his church. This is not my business. Hello, somebody. This is his church. Jesus said, I will build my church, meaning that he had a vision for his church. Before anything started, he had a vision for his church. His church simply needs to get in line with the vision that he has for the church and that way we can be doing things that he's called us to do and not doing our own thing. And in this portion of scripture that we're looking at here, we find that Jesus is, this is one of his closing conversations with his disciples. And it's funny because the leaders and I, we went through a training um, by Man in the Mirror Ministries and... It's called No Man Left Behind. And as we were going through this training, this scripture came up a couple of times within that training because the heartbeat of the church is to do what? Is to make disciples. Why? Because that is what Jesus has declared that we are supposed to do. He tells us in in, in his last look, you got to think about this. Whenever someone is saying their last words, those words are pretty important, wouldn't you think? And so all of these gospels here, they the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record something similar as far as Jesus communicating what his disciples were supposed to do. The book of Acts is where you see the last words of him, where he tells them to do what? To wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power. And so in Matthew, we see them, and even in Luke, at the end of Luke, you see God communicating and telling his disciples that they're going to go forward. They're going to preach this gospel. They're going to communicate this, but Jesus tells them, don't do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your your own wisdom. Don't do it in your own power. You need to do it in the power of the Spirit of God. Because here's what will happen. If you don't have the power of the Spirit of God operating in your life, then you know what, what, what happens is you start bringing words that are hurtful and harsh, not helpful and liberating. You see, what happens to many people is that they don't have the love of God infused in their life, and so they're communicating even God's Word, not in a loving way, but in a hateful way. It ends up hurting people. They're condemning people to hell. Listen, I don't need to condemn anyone to hell. If you don't believe, Jesus says you're already condemned. Are you hearing me? And so I don't need to tell... What I need to communicate is the truth of God's word, and what we need to do is do the same thing. And so we need to be concerned about Jesus' you know, last sets of words that he's communicating, and one of them is this. It is that we are supposed to be doing some things. Jesus communicates to his, God, to, to his disciples, and, and, and many, many um, writers... They believe that when Jesus was speaking here, that he was speaking to more than just the 12. The reason why that is, is because of the verse that I stopped and paused when I was reading, when it said that some worship, but some doubted. Well, here's the thing. Jesus, all of 12, all 12 of Je- or 11 of Jesus' disciples, they had already seen him. None of them were doubting at this moment. And so who were the doubters? Well, it were the ones who may not have seen him in that upper room there. It may, it may have been the ones that did not experience him. And so what happens is you have these people that are all there. And the reason why this is beautiful for us to look at it from that context is because a lot of times people will tell you that this was a commission solely to the, last, uh, to the 11 apostles. The truth of the matter is, is that this is a commission for all of us. Say it's a commission for all of us. We're all supposed to go forward. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our authority authority is delegated delegated and firm firm from from Jesus Jesus who who earned it. Our authority is delegated and firm from Jesus who earned it. Now, you'll notice something. Throughout the book of Matthew, we see the emphasis on Jesus' authority. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 29, you see that the Bible talks about Jesus teaching the word of God with authority. Not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He taught with authority. He wasn't just repeating something, but he had a serious authority. In Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 13, he exercised authority in healing. In Matthew 9 and verse 6, we see that Jesus even forgives sins. He exercised authority over Satan and, and he delegated that authority to his apostles in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. And so what happens is throughout Matthew we see this thing about Jesus' authority, about the authority that Jesus has. This is important for us because at the end of this, what Matthew does is he finally ends and he makes clear that Jesus has all authority. And here's what I want you to get. The one in authority has the authority to authorize others with delegated authority. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> the one in authority has the authority to authorize others with delegated authority. Amen? Amen. The one in authority, who is in authority? Jesus. He's seated on the throne. He makes it clear. He says, all authority has been given unto me. And then he he doesn't just stop there, but we'll pause there for a moment. He's saying, I have already done everything that I had to do. That's what he does. Jesus makes it clear that his purpose on earth had been fulfilled. And now it was time for his disciples to continue the mission. So the mission isn't over. Jesus didn't just come into this earth to live a perfect life, live an example, raise these 11 disciples and these apostles and send them forward and the other disciples that were there because we know that Jesus Jesus had more than just 11 disciples, and so he didn't just raise those guys up and and, and say, hey, I want you guys to go ahead and just, you know, just rejoice that you met me, and then, you know, you're going to go to heaven with me. That isn't what it was. Jesus says to them, all authority has been given to me. And so now I'm delegating authority to you. I'm telling you to go and do some things. I'm telling you to go and make these disciples. Understand this. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our salvation, suffering for our sin, accepting our punishment to offer us new life. His resurrection secures our new life, our new hope, and our faith. Jesus has all authority given to him by the Father, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live on mission with that delegated authority. So here's the thing that we have to understand, is the same way Jesus passed the baton onto his disciples that were there, so we have been passed the same baton. It doesn't change. We have been passed the same baton. We have the same calling in our lives to go forward and make disciples. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our mission mission. is clearly outlined for us. Our mission is clearly outlined for us. So the first thing Jesus says is he says clearly he has authority. The second thing he does is he tells them what their mission is. And so he goes on in verse 19, he says this, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and we'll pause there. And so he makes our mission clear. He doesn't stutter when he says it. Maybe he paused. I don't know. Maybe he said it slowly to make sure they got it. Maybe he repeated it. I, 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 I'm not sure. But this is what I do know, is that when we read this, it's pretty clear as to what the mission of a disciple is. All believers. Say all believers. All believers. Not some believers. All believers. That means everyone in here, if you call Jesus your Lord, you call Jesus your Savior, you are responsible for what the Scriptures teach here. It's not just for some spiritual people, right? It's not for just the pastors of the church to go and do these things. But here's the thing. It's not just the pastors or the seemingly most spiritual within the church, but all Christians should be disciples and should be making disciples. Let me say this. You cannot be a faithful disciple if you are not making disciples. Let me say it again. You cannot be a faithful disciple if you are not making disciples. If you're not making disciples, then there's a problem because you're not doing what the Word of God teaches. And listen, you guys know that I'm not over here. got a checklist of the the, the, the to-do list spiritually. I'm not into all of that because I do believe that we live by the grace of God. I do believe that we don't need to be guilted into stuff. But what I do think is that we need to realize that the grace of God is not an excuse for us to just chill out spiritually. Hello. The grace of God empowers us to do what the Word of God commands us to do. And so here we see Jesus communicating this. And so when we look at this word disciple, it's not just a disciple meant more in those days and in our days. It meant more than being a convert or a church member. See, because a lot of times that's what we think. We think, well, you know what? I need to become a member of a church, and then that's going to be where it's going to end, or that, that, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to become a member of a church, or, you know, I got converted, so I believe in Jesus, so that's where it ends. But that's not where it ends. The scriptures teach us more than that. When you look at this word, the word apprentice might be an equivalent term. A disciple attached himself. Listen to what a disciple does. A disciple attached himself to a teacher. That's why the 11, the 12 apostles, they did what? They left what they they were doing. No matter what it was, they left what they were doing. And then they came and they followed Jesus they followed him and they and, and and they observed him they 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 connected themselves and they were known as his disciples they were known as his students they were known as his followers and so they gained a new identity no longer were they just fishermen but now they were the disciples of Jesus so they identified themselves with him they learned from him and they lived with him now listen you cannot live with me i love what i heard a pastor saying today he was talking about the book of uh, of John the gospel of John and he was talking about when John the Baptist is with his disciples and he sees Jesus walking, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And he, and, and he points to Jesus. And what happens is he's telling his disciples, John is telling his disciples, follow him. See, it's not about following me. Obviously, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate who? Jesus. So ultimately, it's about what? It's about following Jesus. And if I can if I could desire one thing, it is that we all would be committed 100% to Jesus that we would be committed to being his disciples. And so what happens is the disciple learns from his teacher. The the disciple doesn't just do that. He learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. It's not just about sitting down and, and listen, I, I, I hope you take notes. Hope you write stuff down. Hope you learn a lot of stuff, whether it's in church, you know, through other ministries that you hear and things like that. Hope you're a good learner. But know this, that's only half of your discipleship. Because you can read all the books in the world. You can know the Bible front and backwards. You can have all kind of memory verses down. You can have all of that going on in your life. But that doesn't mean that you are living out what you're learning. To the contrary, I would say this, and this is not to be mean or anything like that. But I think that the church in America is overweight spiritually. They just eat and eat and eat. And They get their spiritual fill here and their spiritual fill here and their spiritual fill there, and they just overeat, overeat, overeat. some some of them and I'm not saying all, because there's a lot of Christians, it's, it's crazy, because while on one side you have some overweight Christians spiritually, you have some anemic Christians that they don't. They, there's tons of Bibles. They have four or five Bibles in their house. They have all kinds of access to Bible apps. And they don't even take the time to even read the scriptures. And so what happens is we don't just learn what the Bible communicates, but we have to live what the Bible communicates. We have to live out the truths of the Scripture if we want to be called a disciple. So what Jesus does is this, is he shares three principles with his disciples. Three things. You can write these down. He says go, he says baptize, he says teach. Three principles to what everyone in this church is called to do to make disciples. Three principles. Go, baptize, teach go, baptize, teach. Every one of us that is in this place is called to go. We're called to at least, at minimum, we're called to communicate what baptism is about. And if you have an opportunity to baptize someone, listen, baptize them. Amen? Nowhere in the Bible did it say that the pastor has to baptize people. Are you hearing me? I love this. I heard a testimony. It was about it was real life church, and I, I was talking to one of their counseling, the, the, actually their counseling leader, the pastor that's over all their counseling teams, and he was communicating to me. He said, "You know, we've had like 400 people that got baptized here, and none of them got baptized by the pastors. They have their baptisms that are open throughout the week in the church, and they come over there and they're baptizing people all the time. The people are doing what God has called them to do: go, baptize, teach." And so when he says go, what does he mean by go? He tells them, go ye therefore. In the Greek, the way that this word is written, or the way this word comes out, it says, as you go or once you have gone. In other words, what he's saying is living. See, when when, when Jesus communicated with his disciples, he was telling them, look, you're going to go, period. You're going to live your life. You're going to do stuff. And what he did was he put a mandate on their living. He said, no longer were you supposed to live for yourself, but you were supposed to go with intentionality. You were supposed to go with the intention of looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people. You were supposed to go with the with, with the with the outlook that you know what the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and you know what I need to be a laborer in this harvest field. I don't need to wait for somebody else. I need to go. Now, see, Here's the thing. There's an argument and some people will say, well, you know, there's a gift, you know, for evangelism. And, and you know what? I will tell you there is. There, the Bible says that there is, you know, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 11. And so it does communicate that there is a gift for evangelists. But can I tell you something? He wasn't calling people to be evangelists in the gifting sense. He was calling people to evangelize in the Christian sense. See, all disciples are supposed to do that. See, you look at a guy like Billy Graham, like that guy is an evangelist, right? You look in the New Testament, do we have any evangelists? Yes, we do. A guy by the name of Philip. He is the one person that is called an evangelist. We see him who is called an evangelist, and he goes out there, and listen, he cannot help it. But do what? But preach this gospel, and God does amazing things through him. God brings people. See, in our day, you know, we've twisted the meaning of that word evangelist. An evangelist, in many of our mindset is the guy who goes and preaches from church to church to church to church until he gets his own church. That's not a biblical definition of an evangelist. Philip wasn't preaching in the church. Listen, I love reading the story of Philip. It's amazing. That's the reason why I tell you I love the book of Acts. Philip is over here. God tells him to go to one place. He goes over there. He overtakes his chariot. And when he overtakes the chariot, he's preaching to this this Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch says to him, man, what what hinders me from being baptized? You see, being baptized, he wasn't a pastor. Hello? He hadn't even been called an evangelist yet. He was just a deacon a few, you know, a few verses ago. And all of a sudden, we're not even a deacon. He was somebody who was serving in the church. Let me get it right. And so as he goes forward, he does this. And look what God does. All of a sudden, this dude, he baptizes Ethiopian. If you read the story, it is amazing. This is the first beam me up situation that you ever see. Hello. Right? Star Trek did not originate this. The Bible did. And what happened was this guy was here, baptized him, and all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And he finds himself somewhere else. Read it. It's amazing. God takes him because he has work for him to do, and so that is a person who is an evangelist, and there may be some in here that say, you know what, I have this great big burden, and I just can't shut my mouth, and I have to preach to the lost, and you know what will happen when you are that evangelist, and that is what is happening, and what occurs is people are getting saved, but you have an overwhelming aching heart for those who don't know Jesus. Whenever you get up and preach in the church, you know what's going to happen? You are going to preach an evangelistic message. You know why? Because that is what burns inside of you. And listen, there are tons of people that need to hear the gospel inside of churches, so I'm not saying that evangelists don't have their place in the church. Notice what the Bible says. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints. So evangelists equip the saints. Amen? Amen? They equip the saints to do what? To evangelize. Hallelujah. Just kind of makes sense, right? The evangelists equip the saints to evangelize. That makes sense because they're burdened for that. And so what they're automatically going to do is they're going to train. They're going to influence. They're going to show people how to lead people to Jesus. But see, here's the thing. Not everyone in this place. I think Pastor Chad was reading a statistic in one of the books. I don't know if it was Way of the Master um, or one of the books. And it was a very small percentage of people in the church have the gifting of evangelists. But 100% of the people in the church have a call to evangelize. He says, go. Go as you go. So you know what? Where do you go? Well, you go to work, don't you? I hope. Some of you go to school. Some of you go home. You're going to go home today, right? Amen. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant today. Amen. So he said, go. So as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the restaurant, as you go wherever it is that you are going, make disciples. Look for the opportunities that God is raising up in front of you. I know you want to have good fellowship, you want to have good conversation, but look for the opportunities to share Jesus with people. The second thing he said was go baptizing. And he says continually, the word baptizing, it means, it says baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And baptizing means to continually immerse or baptism, or it means to immerse in water. Baptism in our days is not as clearly understood as it was during the Bible times. Baptism was directly connected to a decision of faith. You see Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You can write that down. When the people asked Peter, what should we do? He said what? He said, repent and be baptized. Because what happened is, is that in their understanding that baptism meant something. It was connected to their conversion. It was connected to their commitment to Christ and so what's what what are we saying what we're saying is that when we go out there and we're sharing this gospel we are leading people and these first two things go and baptize both of them have to do with what it means us going out there it means us being intentional but it also means us showing people their need for repentance their need to turn to God their need to make a commitment to Jesus and then we let them know about baptism and as I said if you have a pool nearby or some you know body of water that you can do it in, go ahead and ask the person they could say man you want to be baptized right now don't wait explain to them what baptism is and then show them what they can do that's what we can do as a church amen. and if we don't have that opportunity when we come to jesus for those of you that are in here you may have come to christ made a commitment to him recently and you know what you haven't been baptized yet well you know what, we do baptism two times a year here because we don't have a baptismal so our next building y'all pray amen that we get a baptismal in the building So every Sunday, right after service, when someone makes commitment to Jesus, I won't do an altar call. I'm going to do a baptism call. That's it. Pastor Aldo's going to have his bathing suit on every Sunday. Glory to God. And I'm going to say, listen, if you made a commitment to Jesus today, we have a baptism full of water, and you can be baptized. You can make this decision because that should be the mindset. See, in our mindset today, we don't have that mindset. We don't, we don't think about that. We're so worried about someone praying a sinner's prayer. Can I tell you something? I know you don't want to hear this. The sinner's prayer is not in your Bible. I'm just saying. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. It's repent and believe confess your sin, put your trust in Jesus. That is how you become a believer. The most important thing is not the words that come out of your mouth, it's the commitment you make in your heart and the life you live after those words come out of your mouth. That is the most important thing. The most important thing is that you really make a commitment to Christ, that you really make a decision for him, that you really respond to him in faith, and that you turn from your ways unto his righteousness. That's what's important. All of us are called to go out there and share this good news. Baptism, when we look at all the things that it means, it speaks of people being brought into new life, identifying themselves as followers of Jesus and becoming part of a new family. Doesn't that sound like what a disciple did in the other definition? Someone that has a new life. It's someone who identifies them. It's someone who becomes a follower of Christ. And the third thing is teaching. I want you to notice this because here's here's the thing. Discipleship has two parts to it evangelism and edification evangelism and edification it's not one or the other when we're gonna make disciples we evangelize but we also edify you know the the saying that we say every Sunday reaching the lost raising the living evangelism edification those who are alive what are we raising we're raising them up in Christ hello we reach the lost raise the living we reach those who don't know Jesus. That's evangelism. That, that is what, it is twofold. And so listen, it's not enough just to share. That's why I don't like, you know, we were, we, in, in the training we were talking about, and I don't like to talk about other churches, but he was talking about his church. So I'm just going to say it. I won't tell you what church it is. If you weren't there, you won't know. But he said that they have this event that they do every year. And every year they do this event, and they, they gather like 3,000 information cards. They've been doing this event for like 20 years. They gather like 3,000 information cards, and he asks the question. He's like, what do we do with those cards? You know what the answer was? Nothing. They just count the cards and throw them away. That's it. They just want to count the numbers. What about the souls that just walked into this place that need Jesus, that don't know God? See, that's one thing I've always been a stickler for, and anybody that knows me and been around here long enough, we have to follow up. We have to follow up with people. When we share the gospel with someone, don't just leave them to figure it out on their own. I always tell you, when you bring a guest to church and they hear the gospel being preached here, don't just walk out and just act like they're going to figure it all out. Have a conversation with them. Talk to them. Figure out where they're at. Help them come across that line of faith. It's important for us to understand that. But he tells us this thing. He says, teaching. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, "Well, well, I'm not a teacher. Listen, I didn't ask you to come and be a school teacher. Hello i ask you to come and get up in front of class. Jesus didn't ask every one of them to get up in front of a class. But you know what everybody can do? Everybody in this place can teach another person. Are you hearing me? All of us can. Oh, well, I, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You may t- it may take some effort. And, and you know what? Not everyone is called to stand up in, on, on a pulpit. Not everyone's called to do that. But everyone is called to teach others. Everyone is called. See, you have to understand this because you know what happens is this relieves me and the other pastors of all the weight of ministry. It's not just up to us, it's not just our job. Church, what do you think we preach for? What do you think we teach for? What do you think we have the mentoring program for? It's so that way you will be equipped, not just to say, okay, I went through the mentoring program, check. Great, that's wonderful. But what is the point of you going through the mentoring program if you come out of it, you don't have a better foundation. You come out of it, you don't evangelize anyone. You come out of it, you don't know your gifts and don't use them. You come out of it and you don't even serve like you're a leader. What is the purpose of that? It's purposeless. It's just going through some motions, going through some steps. And so it's important for us to consider, okay, God said that they're supposed to teach. Now, what did he say to teach? He told them to teach others. And and listen, this is very important for some of us because there are some people who have been told in this place that the things that Jesus taught were before the cross, therefore, they don't apply to us. I've had a conversation with people that I love dearly. And they will tell you that. And I mean, people that I really believe them to be Christians and believers, and they will say, nope, everything, the Beatitudes and and all that Sermon on the Mount, that doesn't apply to us as Christians because that was before the cross. That was still under the law. But I want you to notice what Jesus told his disciples to teach. Look what he tells them. He says, teaching them to observe. Say "observe." observe. He said, first of all, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All things that I have commanded you, all things that I have taught. So, what is it that we're supposed to be teaching? We're supposed to be teaching other people the things that Jesus taught. Hello. Jesus said this. This isn't my words. These words, if you have the right Bible there and read in yours, hello. Jesus said these words. He said that we were supposed to teach, but we weren't supposed to just give information, but we were supposed to call people to what? To obedience. It's called accountability. We're supposed to call people. Listen, when we learn about loving, when we learn about sacrifice, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to look and see if our brothers and sisters are sacrificing. Not because we're being judgmental, but because we care. When we talk to someone about their marriage, when we talk to someone about raising their children, when we give instruction in these areas, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to call people into obedience. That's part of being a disciple. As our mission is clearly outlined for us, we must ask the question, am I on mission as Jesus has commanded? So the question is, are you going? Well, you're going to go, but the question really is, are you intentional when you go? Are you praying about when you're going? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit wherever you're going? Are you obedient to the Spirit of God? Are you intentionally looking for those opportunities? Are you living this intentional life? Are you leading others to faith? And listen, this is a tough one because I don't want to condemn anyone because you may be in here and you may be talking to people about Jesus all the time and no one's coming to faith. Listen, that doesn't mean that you're being ineffective. You're being faithful with what God has given you to do. Amen? Amen. I'm I'm not asking you that. Are you communicating to others about your faith? The one that should feel bad is the one that doesn't talk about their faith. And not to feel bad like just to feel bad, but you should repent and say, God, why is it that I don't share my faith? Why is it that I'm not communicating with other people about what you're doing? Because, listen, there are 101 reasons not to share your faith. But can I give you one reason to share your faith? Just one reason. If you don't share your faith, people will die and go to hell. People will spend an eternity separated from God, suffering. And you know what? Many of those people you have locked eyes with, many of those people you've had insignificant conversations with, conversations about hair, conversations about sports. You've had conversations about food. You've had insignificant conversations that don't matter at all in comparison to eternity, and they are going to die. And you're more worried about making them feel comfortable than giving them the truth of the gospel. One reason... There's a a bunch of reasons. Oh, people don't want to hear that. People know that. Listen, you you would be surprised. I think think it was Brother Sean was telling me the other day. He was talking to me, and, and he was telling me about someone he was having a conversation with, and this person wasn't raised in church. This person never went to a church. This person had never even been inside of a church. And you and I think, man, because we're driving here and we're moving, you know, I mean, we're driving by and we notice all the churches, right, that are, that are there on the street. And you're amazed, like, how could something like that happen? The other day it was funny because we were driving down the road and um, Brother Lewis forgot to give me some information. And there's this amazing place called the Donut King. Y'all heard about that place? Yes. Hey, Amen. I know y'all don't want to hear about that place right now, but glory to God. I know your New Year's resolution, you're getting tight, getting right. But here's the thing. We experienced this Donut King experience, you know, uh, in, in, in one of the savage races that we ran in. And, you know, we were like, you know, when, once you go to the Donut King once, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts just don't do it. Krispy Kreme is I, you know, when they're hot. But if they ain't hot, I don't know. But when, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I just want to let you know this. But here's the thing. It's so hilarious because my wife, she goes to Costco every Friday, okay? You know what she drives by every, every day on her way to, well, actually, Fancy Fruits. You know what she drives by every day? She drives by Donor King. She never even knew it was there because no one told us. We were glad no one told us because now we know and now it's like temptation, right? Here's my point. My point is that there are people just like that. They're driving by churches. They don't even notice them. They don't even see them there because they don't know what that's about. Because they've been taught, they've been, they've, been, they've been given this lie. Well, I'm going to let my kids figure it out on their own. That is the biggest lie that Satan has ever fed any parent. You are called to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and the instruction in righteousness. You're not supposed to let them figure it out. Help them along the way. Hello. Guide them along the way. And that way they'll know the truth and they're not over here being deceived. My point is that there are many people that believe that lie. So what, that means for, what does that mean for us? What that means for us is that there are plenty of people out there that need to hear the gospel. That you think, oh, they already know. They don't know. Or you heard them say, God, I've told you this before. Make sure when someone talks about God, you qualify what God they're talking about. Don't just, don't, don't just be like I was when I was younger in the Lord and I was ignorant and someone said, God. I said, praise God, they're saying God because no one ever talked about God. Come to find out later on, they weren't always talking about the same God we weren't always talking about the same Jesus. And so what well, we have to have this mindset and ask ourselves these questions. Are you helping others grow in their faith? Are you helping others grow in your faith? Let me tell you something. If you are involved in a connect life group, this is what I want you to know. Be encouraged. You're helping others grow in their faith by having conversation with them. Amen? Because you are imparting into their lives. Now, I'm going to tell you, don't let it end there. You need to take someone and you need to Invest in them the things that you've learned. Amen? The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Our partnership in this mission is with a faithful Savior and King. Our partnership in this mission is with a faithful Savior and King. Look what he says at the end of that verse. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus starts off talking about his authority that he has. And then he goes on, tells them what they're supposed to do. And then he communicates to them and he lets them know, listen, as you go, as you baptize, as you teach, I'm with you. As you go, as you baptize, as you teach, I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'll be with you until the end of the age. To the end of the age is when? Until this age finishes and the next age begins. So you know what that means? Jesus is still with us. Amen. He's still with those who are making disciples. He's still with his disciples. He's still calling us into action. And so what he communicates to us, he lets us know that he's with us. Jesus closes this portion with a great promise. And this is beautiful because this is actually a claim to deity because how could Jesus be with all of his disciples if he wasn't omnipresent? Think about that. He had to be omnipresent because he didn't say, I'm going to be with some of you. I'll be with you today and you tomorrow. He said, I'll be with you. And so in his glorified state, he's with us. You must remember, Jesus is not only with us as we gather in this place, but he's with us as we scatter from this place. Jesus is not just with us as we come together. And you see, it's beautiful. When we come together, we have times of worship where the Holy Spirit is moving in a mighty way, and God is touching hearts and healing hearts and strengthening faith, and he's doing what he wants to do. But you know what? Jesus doesn't stop being with us when we walk out of these doors. Jesus is with us, and he wants us to be on mission with him. He's he's a faithful savior and king. The same way that he saved me, he wants to save others. The same way that he saved you, he wants to save others. But he calls us into this action. Jesus is the guarantor of our fruitfulness and our fulfillment of his mission that he has called us into partnership with him on. He is the one that guarantees the fruitfulness. He is the one that guarantees us being able to fulfill what he's called us to do. I had a beautiful conversation with um, John and Lynn Casanova and our one-on-one and Lynn was telling me about her, her her story her story at work and she was sharing with me uh, some, something that happened with one of the ladies that came there and she was um, you know she, she was doing the intake for the woman and as she's asking her these questions you know she's in this conversation and she feels so overwhelmed I mean as she's telling me the story she's holding tears back and she's being moved because she just feels like she needs to share something with this woman and finally got the opportunity to share with her and was able to you know communicate with this woman she didn't she didn't share the whole- gospel presentation with her what she was able to do was she was able to share with her some words of hope at that moment and here's what happened this woman was battling with is battling in the middle of an addiction in her life struggling she came to florida because she wants to start a new life but found herself bound in the same thing and she's battling through this and lynn simply communicated the the, the word that god had spoken to her in her morning devotional with her and just said hey you know read this scripture i think it was jeremiah 29 11 i believe it was And what happens is this woman turns and her eyes change and she looked at her and she's like, you know, I'm a believer. Why do I share that story in, in in, in line with this, you know, evangelism? Well, this woman wasn't lost in the technical term that she didn't know anything about Jesus. But you know what? She was lost. She's struggling. And if Lynn wouldn't have been obedient to the Holy Spirit, if she wouldn't have been sensitive to what was going on, you know what? That woman may have died without hope. Who knows what would have happened? But praise to the living God that Lynn was sensitive and that she was able to share this hope with her, and hopefully that'll keep her moving in the right direction. So here's the closing questions for you: Do you care about the lost? Do you care about the lost? Two-fold question: Do you care about the lost? And the second part of the question is: Do you care about those who are in Christ growing? Do you care about the lost? Do you care about those who are in Christ, them growing? See, here's what happens. We need to pray for a burden for those who have yet to make a commitment to Jesus and for a heart to see our fellow believers grow as well. The greater the gospel becomes in our lives, the greater our commitment to the gospel mission will become. See, every week I go through this. I talk to you about, I communicate this gospel. I haven't done it yet, so I want to do it right now. But every week I talk about the fact that man is sinful. All of us are sinful by birth and by decision. Every one of us. And because of our sin, because we break God's laws, then we are damned to a what? An eternity in hell separated from God. Our religion won't get us there. Our morality won't get us there. I was going to do a whole bridge presentation, but I forgot to get the PowerPoint together. But here's the thing. Nothing is going to cross or connect us to God. We are as far from God because of what? Because of our sin separates us from him. And so every person that does not bow their knee to Jesus is under that condemnation. They're separated from God. They're separate. And you know what? Everyone in this place, here's the the thing. All of us have this in common. We are all, we are all in that same boat prior to coming to Jesus, We all were separated from him. We all were on our way to an eternity in hell, separated from God. But the beauty of this is, is that God doesn't want us to spend eternity in hell, but he comes and he dies in our place. Jesus shed his holy blood in our place so that way we would not have to suffer the condemnation of hell, but we could experience the beauty of heaven. But not just the beauty of heaven, but so that way we could have a new life beginning now. So we could start to experience eternity now. Why? Because to know the Father is to have eternity. That's what the Bible teaches us. God is eternal life. And he wants us to experience that. But it is through the cross. And here's the reason why I think that we sometimes don't share the gospel with people or don't care about other people's growth is because the gospel is not great in our hearts. It's because the gospel does not overwhelm our hearts. And so here's the thing. If the gospel is not overwhelming your heart, ask God to make that gospel more real. Ask God to make that gospel more overwhelming so that way you are moved with compassion for those who don't know your Jesus. So that way you're moved with compassion for those who don't walk with your Savior. So that way you care about the growth of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and let us pray together. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to grab your neighbor's hand. And if you're in this place and you need prayer, I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand so that way they can know that they're going to pray for you right now. If you're in this place and you do not know Jesus, as I said, there's not some magic formula to pray. Simply you recognizing that you need him. It's simply you recognizing that you are a sinner, that you need his salvation. And so today, today's that opportunity, if you don't know him, to make that commitment. If you make that commitment to him today, make sure you let somebody know before you leave this place. Father, right now we come to you. And we pray for our brothers and our sisters, my God, that may have squeezed our hands in this place. Father, you alone know the situations that are going on in their hearts. You alone know what's going on in their lives, my God, and so my prayer today is, Holy Spirit, that you would fill every one of the voids in the hearts of the people that are in here, my God. Father God, that you would strengthen the faith of those that are in here, my God. Lord God, that you would fill them, Lord God, with a passion for you and your gospel, Lord Jesus. Father God, for those in this place, Lord God, that are not burdened for those who don't know you, Heavenly Father, burden our hearts afresh, my God. Give us an aching heart for those who do not know you God father I pray that you would draw these hearts under you my God I pray Lord Jesus that you would give us a concern and a care for those who do know you my God but father God are, are not growing as they should Lord Jesus father God that they would care about those that are weak about those who are weary about those who are discouraged Lord God about those who need faith built up father I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be a disciple making church my God, that we would be a church that is committed to this great commission, my God, that we would be a church that is committed to doing your will and that is committed to walking with you faithfully, God. Father, we come against the plans of the enemy to hinder us from walking as your disciples, God. Father, be glorified in us. Father, we ask you this and we give you all praise. In the good name of Jesus, someone said? Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.